welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. We've had a full round of A-League women's to talk about. But before we do begin, I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands that we are recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay respects to their elders past and present. Let's start, as we usually do, with some You Love to See It. Angela, do you want to kick us off with a You Love to See It? I sure do, once I work out how to unmute myself. Um, Yes, uh, well, I think we all love to see this um, here on this pod, but you love to see Kote Rojas absolutely slamming them away. So this was um, in Sydney's (laughs) 6-0 win over Canberra. Uh, We won't get into the other side of that equation. Um, But, yeah, she definitely made a statement by putting away a hat trick. So it was a pen and then... um, to, you know, goals from open play. Uh, The most memorable one for me was this cheeky little chip that she did over um, Keely Richards, did over Keely Richards. That was probably the best of the lot. But, yeah, Kote Rojas um, finally finding her feet in this Sydney side and scoring lots of goals. You absolutely love to see it. And as Anna mentioned on Twitter, Maybe last year was a, a, a roux and, and this one, is it a roux? Roux is a white sauce, isn't it? What's what's the thing? I went with a, a false dawn. <laughs> a false dawn, not a not a white sauce. Um, a false dawn and this is the actual summer of Cote Rojas. So you absolutely love to see it. Uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, that's one of your best. That was so good. I'm keeping that in. I'm so, so sorry. But God, Sydney were good and they really made Canberra look silly, but we won't talk about that too much. Harrow, what did you love to see this weekend? I love to see um, Maya Markovsky's absolute bullet of a penalty for Melbourne victory. One of the best you'll see. Um, victory got a penalty against Western Sydney when um, Rosie Galea handballed in, and I think thought she'd gotten away with it and then the assistant referee dobbed on her and... Um, Victory were correctly ordered, uh, given a penalty. And Maya Markovsky won A-League women goal, inexperienced striker. Um, I think she's only 20. All the confidence in the world steps up, pretty much struts to the penalty spot and just buries it into the top corner, real where the spiders live sort of stuff, just world-class penalty. Um, we love seeing a really good penalty, but they're usually against the Tillies. On this occasion, um, one of the best you'll see in um, in the A-League women competition. And, of course, she absolutely nuffed it up with the celebration. Um, all her teammates got involved, and it was a, a really impressive penalty for, from a young player to who had the whole match riding on her shoulders, and she just put it away, cool as you like, said, I do these in training every day. So Maya Markovsky absolutely drilling one of the best penalties you'll see. You'll have to see it. It wasn't nominated for goal of the week, but it was goal of the week in my heart. It was so good. Like it was a visceral penalty. Penalty, I absolutely loved it. But Sam, what did you love to see this weekend? Yeah, speaking of goal scoring celebrations, I don't think anything is going to top this one for the entire A-League women's season. It was Alyssa Wynnum's debut goal for Wellington Phoenix. It was so special for so many reasons. I love the reactions of young players when they realize that they're better perhaps than what they thought they were. The goal that she scored against Brisbane to, to take the lead, I think it was, was actually a really good goal. It displayed a lot of the, the kinds of qualities that Wynnum has at her 
disposal. She's got really good feet. She's really good on the ball and she's got really good spatial awareness as well. But I just loved her reaction. She just sort of like spun around to all of her teammates like, is this real? Did this really happen? And then she was sort of just like looking up into the crowd like it was some sort of fever dream. Um, and I loved the photo as well that captured her. Uh, the the tape around her wrist, which just had in big black marker, shoot, which she did. And then all of a sudden she goes viral. So I just, yeah, it was, it was adorable. Um, it's going to be one of those moments that you remember, not just for her, for the rest of her career, but all of us in the history of this competition as well, I think. So Alyssa Wynnum scoring her debut goal and celebrating like an absolute champion. You love to see it. To be honest, the look on her face was kind of like you and me, Sam, when we agree on something. Has it happened? Has it happened? Did it really just happen? Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? I think the real oh, key no. part of it as well is like she intended to shoot. It wasn't just mm. one of those goals where um, yeah. I think it was the 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 newbie player with the bow. Who was that? Was that who you think? Tessa Tamplin. Mm. Tessa Tamplin, the Tessa Tamplin well, She looked away and then went away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then she saw that it went in because it was sort of like it was intended to be a cross, whereas like this was like a very well-taken shot. And so I hope this gives her a massive confidence boost in terms of like, yes, you shoot and it goes in. That's very good, Alyssa Widow. It's excellent. And she, but she seemed bewildered that that had happened. But, yeah, it was a beautiful moment. It was real poetry in motion as well. The way the two Brisbane players, I know one was Aisha Nori, just sort of slid into each other and Wyndham just sort of pirouettes out and shoots. I just want to watch it in slow motion forever. And it's so nice as well because, like, the story of Alyssa Wyndham, she almost didn't make the team at all. She got a phone call a couple of weeks before preseason started saying, oh, you haven't made the cut this time, but, you know, work on your club form, work on your under-17s national team duty, and then hopefully next season you'll get the call up. But as a result of various dropouts and the club not being able to find the players that they wanted, she eventually did get the call from General Lewis and she was promoted to a scholarship contract. But then because she has made such an impression and has been so fabulous in her first couple of games, she was recently promoted to a full contract. So like for someone who a couple of months ago wasn't playing for this club at all, all of a sudden she's gone down in history as their second ever goal scorer and one of the most adorable of that. I just love that. It's such a good story. For me, her reaction, the best part was just that she didn't know what to do with her hands. Like obviously footballer don't need to use your hands, but they come out in the celebrations. But she was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to put them. I They're, they're here and they're moving kind of thing. So it was very pure, very wholesome. But there's good news and there's bad news, friends. We are now technically officially halfway through the A-League women's season, which is obviously the bad news. The good news is that it's a great time to kind of take stock of where the comp is at, which players are doing well. So we are going to do a little half team of the season for the, the first half of this A-League women's campaign. So we've got we've had a little bit of a shortlist thrown together. Um, our, our Google Doc was kind of added to it very late hours, so it's a very interesting shortlist, but we're kind of going to talk through who the standout players have been in each position, what kind of team we would like, or, you know, in an ideal world, if it was an A-League best 11, what kind of team we would like to see. So let's start with the goalkeeper. Anna, you had one kind of criteria for who the goalkeeper in this starting 11 should be. What was that criteria? 
<laughs> I like the little announcement from the horn. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're fast and loose today. Um, yeah, pretty simple criteria that I think we all agreed on. To be blunt, the goalkeeper has to have actually had to do things in this first half of the season. For example, Jada Wyman is not our choice for goalkeeper of the season today. Fantastic young goalkeeper, but because of Sydney's incredible defence and stacked attack, she has not had to do very much. So this is not a slight on players like Jada Wyman who are fantastic goalkeepers, but we wanted to pick someone who has been called into action and really shown their wares, to put it simply. So who then has shown their wares? Who does deserve or who are some of the names that actually have been called into action and deserve this kind of accolade? Lily Alpha struck me as one of the players that's had to be quite busy in goal. Um, and she was very good on the weekend in that game against uh, Brisbane, for example, saved a pen, called into action. I think there's been quite a few games where if Alpha wasn't just diving around trying to save literally everything, the Knicks would have been a far worse position than they were. So one contender. Yeah, I think the other I, – I mean, I feel like the goalkeepers have calmed down a little bit. There were a bit, um, as we've discussed a few pods ago, some shaky moments, um, some some fluffs uh, in, in for some keepers. Um, but I think uh, sort of on the – other end of that spectrum, we've got Lily Alford, who's a young keeper working with a, a young team, and I think she's done fantastic in terms of leadership as well. She really gets around her defence, and, and they get around her as well, another wonderful thing about this Wellington side. Um, but, like, Melissa Barberi as well was called in after Sally James. I think she's still working through a hand injury, which happens to goalkeepers, surprisingly. Um, and she's been very solid for City as well. Um, so those two would probably be on my short list, but I think I'd lean more towards Alfeld. Listeners, we are we are figuring this out as we go. You get to hear the discussion in action. And you get to hear the cogs. The cogs are turning oh so slowly and rustily. The other thing I liked about Bubs is there's been a couple of times where Hannah Wilkinson in particular has benefited from her just having a look at the play, spotting defenders um, really on high lines or maybe out of position and just, sorry for language, fucking hoofing it. And um, we saw Mackenzie Barry a couple of weeks ago caught out of position. We saw it happen to Victory. I think it was Claudia Bunge and Hannah Wilkins has been able to pounce and they've basically been goalkeeper assists. Um, so that's been quite impressive. Sam, I, I see you with your hand popping up. Yes, I'm going to nominate a goalkeeper that I don't think many people have really taken a huge amount of notice of. But when you look at the current ladder halfway through the season, this club is currently second in terms of fewest goals conceded, and that is Western Sydney. And Sarah Langman has been really important in ensuring that that happens. They are tied with Melbourne City, having conceded just four goals all season. I think that's really impressive. They haven't scored many, but they haven't conceded many. And Oftentimes, that is what gets you riding up the ladder, you know, considering the, um, I guess, the the background to Langman as well, sort of coming from Adelaide. She just sort of had that moment where she was almost in Matilda's contention and sort of dropped off the radar a little bit. I think this has been a really good, solid season from her. I think she still has some positional um, things to work on, but as a natural and athletic shot stopper, I think she's she's been really, really good. So she would be my nomination. Just one for those who maybe weren't paying attention. That is 
the artist formerly known as Sarah Willsey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After getting married earlier this year or last year. Congratulations, Sarah. All right, we have to pick one and then we can have uh, one on the bench. Just Marissa? I'm a Libra. Don't look at me. <laughs> I'm a Libra too. I'm out. <laughs> but I, I would argue it's between Alfeld and I... I'm not going to lie, I forgot about Langman, but you've made a compelling case, Samantha, so I would have those two as my my picks. One, uh, um, uh, how are we going to do this? Do we have to do stats quickly? Nah, God, we've got to go on vibes, I reckon. Should we, should we move? We can move on to defenders. Okay. Just, my thing is Wellington do have the worst defence in the league, and I know you made the point that, it would have probably been worse if Alfeld wasn't there. But conceding 21 goals, which is, I think, at least seven or so more than the next worst team, is not a great stat. Okay. Well, that's, that's my my thought and my vibe. Okay. So why don't we put Langman, Langman on the, the first... Uh, the- the star, the, 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 the greenery, yes, the greenery. she starts, <laughs> and then uh, Lily Alfield uh, as a, an honorary mention. I'm happy bench. with I'm happy with that. Langman stepped up in some big games. You look at that game against the Raw where she had nine saves. Um, yep. You look at that Sydney derby that was a um, really dour stalemate, <laughs> but she stepped up, and I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Langman in goal, and Alfield on the bench. Both fulfil the criteria of having done stuff. And that was the only thing that mattered. Let's move a little bit forward. So first of all, back four. Yes, 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 yes. I'm taking that as three four, nods. Four, three, three, I think is an easy and fair way to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the people that we listed in terms of centre-backs, we had Emma Checker, who's been excellent from the back for Melbourne City, Jesse Rashhart, barring that own goal we don't need to really elaborate on that one Winnie Heatley has obviously been impressing enough to get that call up to the Matildas camp Claire Hunt again I think Sam you've now really put the the seed of Western Sydney maybe flying under the radar slightly Nat Tobin has been phenomenal but we know that she is phenomenal and Kate Taylor from Wellington has again in the similar sort of vein to Lily Alfeld really shown some good stuff considering how many goals the Knicks have conceded. So what are our kind of initial thoughts on a centre-back pairing? I think Checker's got to be a lock. I think she's been a standout this season, um, both in terms of her defensive play and her leadership. I think what we wanted to see from her this season um, was be the senior player in a defence. Often we've seen her have quite strong seasons, but there's been players like Lauren Barnes or Rebecca Stott next to her in a back three, and I think she has been the anchor for Melbourne City and she scored as well. She's got a great volley the other week. Um, but she's I think she's been an absolute rock and is a big reason as to why they are where they are this season. So I, I, that's one player I think has to be in there. I, I do like, I think Claire Hunt deserves to be shortlisted, but I think she took a little while to eat, like ease into the season and she's really, I think, shored up her, I guess she's a lot more consistent these past few games. Um, so my vote would probably be for either Rasha or Tobin. Nat Tobin has been out with injury. If she wasn't, I feel like that would 
put her in more contention, but it's just unfortunate that she hasn't been able to. I But also Charlotte McLean has been working alongside Nat Tobin as well, and I feel like, yeah, the best defence in the league. She deserves a shout-out as well, especially working with new new players like Tash Pryor as well, being able to make that transition and still not bloody concede any bloody goals. Okay, Sydney, we'll keep it. Anyway, Sam, what do you reckon? Yeah, my my second, I do think Emma Checker is a lock. My second would be Nat Tobin, even though she has missed two games, I think, due to injury. Like her, Two's not many, though. Two isn't many, really. And her presence in that back line, not just technically and physically, but in terms of leadership, I think she has been absolutely instrumental in why Sydney are where they are. But I also do want to give a shout-out to, to Kate Taylor from Wellington Phoenix, even though it's hard to justify picking a defender from the team that has conceded so many goals in seven games. I think she has been far and away one of the most impressive young defenders in the whole league and considering this is her first crack at this level of football she has taken to it beautifully you know she is a I think a lock for future defensive lines of the season and a lock for future football ferns teams as well like she is just beyond her years in terms of her reading of the game, in terms of her calmness on the ball, in terms of her ability to do all the basic bits of defending really well. Um, she's got all that covered. So I'm just, I'm really excited to see her just continue to improve the more the opportunities that she gets at the, in these kinds of moments. I think left-backs are real. I know you're going to jump into the full-backs. I think left-backs are pretty easy one. I think Ali Green's been a standout. I think she's been fantastic. She's been, especially once, as Sam mentioned, when Tobin was injured, we saw Ellie Brush go down again before the start of the season. Um, she seems like a player who's really hungry and wants to take her game to another level, which I think she needed to. She's been a very, very good player at this level for a while, but I think she does want to go up a, another level and all signs have been that she's doing that. Um, she also scored that very funny goal on the weekend, which is a bit of recency bias. Um, but I just think, you know, she charges down that left side, um, she's always threatening. She combines really well with her midfielders and looks to create as well and does the job defensively. Um, and obviously it's been such a rock solid Sydney, Sydney backline. She's not letting a whole lot come through the other way as well, which is your main job as a defender. Um, to, to, straight away, just a thought, Ali Green's been the best left back. I'm not going to argue with that. Yep. <laughs> Look at us agreeing. How bloody good. So if we've got Green, Checker, Tobin, who feels in that right back position? I think right back is a little bit more open maybe than left back. Um, Polly Doran from Melbourne Victory has been one of my favourite fullbacks for the last probably two seasons now. Um, she's sort of dropped off a little bit this season, but I think she's still been very, very solid and very necessary for Melbourne considering the defensive woes. Um, but I do want to give a shout out. I don't think she'll make it into our final four, but I do want to give a shout out to Kirsty Fenton from Newcastle Jets. I think she's been really impressive. Again, young player. This is her first season. Sorry about the truck that's squealing outside my window. Um, and, and she, again, scored that cracking goal, you know, like she, she has so many elements to her game that remind me so much of Tessa Tamplin. Uh, it's a really, really exciting, um, young player coming through. So yeah, shout out to her. You could almost probably make a case for Fenton over 
Doran, who I thought got torn a new one by Holly McNamara in the derby a few weeks back. Not that there's any shame in that. I think there is room for a genuine bit of discussion there, as you say, Sam. Like, it's not it's not quite as clear cut in terms of the uh, the right backs, but I think Fenton's probably putting her name up in lights a little bit. Tash Rigby, she's right back. I'm for sure. <laughs> She'd be a good shout too. She's pretty solid. I think she also, Tash Rigby benefits from the whole, the leadership thing, the experience right back, thing. Yeah. She She's very talented. She's very good at what she does and she does offer that little bit extra in terms of um, the leadership and what she can bring to, you know, what is generally speaking a young Perth Glory side and they haven't been too bad, the Perth Glory, so I reckon Rigby's a decent shout as well. I think, yeah, I think Rigby gets it just over Polly in the fact that Polly has uh, perhaps had some performances that bring her down the rankings a tiny bit, as Anna just highlighted. I thought she had an excellent start to the season um, and has really, like, honed in on a few of those, like, attacking elements and made, made them a bit sharper, which was really exciting to see. But as we have discussed in depth, Victory have faced some some defensive woes which I feel have stifled that a little bit she doesn't have as much freedom right now while they're anyway they're having to think about not letting in goals anyway so yeah I would go with Rigby right back if we're happy with that and I can double check that she is indeed a right back but I'm fairly certain she is otherwise she is now for the purposes we have of decided. this exercise the, the hive mind has decided you're a right back. So that would be Green, Checker, Tobin, Rigby as our defensive line, the often undersung kind of final component of the defensive unit. The defensive midfielder, we spoke a little bit pre-record and then I told you all off to save it for the pod. So now is the time to talk about defensive midfielders. So it's we always worry about defensive midfielders, but there have been some really bright shining lights this season so some of the shortlist we had Taylor Ray for Sydney phenomenal Rebecca Stott has worked her way into this season obviously as she's recovering from her cancer diagnosis but has been a really solid option as the six Aisha Nori we gave her some praise a couple of weeks ago or last week maybe as the six and Ismail Isabel Gomez for the Phoenix so friends now is the time to hash out who should get the nod at the six. Taylor, Taylor Ray. I reckon Taylor, Taylor Ray is fantastic. I think Taylor she's Ray. super. And I'm not I'm not a Sydney enough. I'm really taking Sam's like bread and butter here and pumping them all up. But I think the Sydney midfielders stepped up so brilliantly in the absence of Teresa Polias and um, to a slightly lesser extent Claire Wheeler. There's no slight on Claire Wheeler, just recognizing Teresa Polias's long-standing contribution. Um, and Taylor Ray when you look at her story is, is just fantastic. She earned that Matilda's training camp call up and would have been, I reckon a really good chance to actually earn a spot. Had she not copped the worst timed bout of COVID I can think of um, and been forced to miss that training camp, but it was well-deserved. She's fantastic. Um, we know her story. She's come off a couple of ACLs. She's had to bide her time behind the likes of Polias and Wheeler. And she's been thrown very much in the deep end this season, but was clearly ready off the back of um, training with these players. And it's just been a standout. And she does all the nitty-gritty stuff, puts a foot in, um, isn't afraid to go and sort of attack and try and create as well. 
and seems to play, I think, a little bit beyond her years as well. I, I reckon she's super. Um, but, Sam, you you were ready, ready to contend this one um, when we were talking pre-pod. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. Why should Taylor Ray miss out? I mean, I think when I think about this question, I take something else into consideration, which is the boots that this player has had to fill of the player who has left them. And so I think taking over from a player like Teresa Polias puts, and and considering they have not, basically they have not dropped a beat, I think that puts Taylor Ray in the top position as the number six. But if we take that sort of um, tool of assessment and we look at the other contenders, I think the other person we need to talk about is Aisha Nori because she has been so fabulous for Brisbane in that number six position. And she's taken over from Olivia Chance, who I think was one of Brisbane's best players across the entire last season. She was so pivotal, not just in um, being the glue that held the lines together, but she had so many different kinds of tools to her belt. She scored goals. She was defensively incredibly sound. Her um, her vision, her sort of 360 vision was really advanced. And I think Ishinori is starting to sort of move into that space. We're starting to see her become a little bit more creative, a little bit more attacking. Um, if she can add a couple goals maybe this season and continue to pump up her stats, I think she'll be in the same conversation as a Taylor Ray when it comes to this. I mean, we all know that Rebecca Stott is fantastic and we all have all sort of, I think we all sort of predicted that she'd be good in midfield because when she was playing at centre-back, she would make those deep midfield runs, right? Like she has that confidence. She knows what she's doing. And she's also been working with a player like Ivy Lewick over the last couple of seasons at City. And so has probably learned a lot about what it means to be a, a true number six. And so there's no shock that she has taken to it like a duck to water. But in terms of, I guess, a true number six and Australian number sixes and number sixes who we can say, yes, we do actually have some really talented players coming through. I think Ray and Nori are my two picks. It's interesting. I think I think of them as quite different players as well, like Taylor Ray. To, I, I don't know why this phrase comes to mind, but she kind of just minds a business. I don't, like, and she's not always in and amongst it, whereas Nori does seem to be a much more um, like forward-thinking player in terms of looking. Like she tried to, she was one of the shots that in that Wellington game that like the double save from Lily Alford and then Nori was like, ah, oh, come on, let's get it. And then that got deflected as well. So that was a very funny moment. But she, and she I think she did score two weeks ago potentially so she is um got a bit more yeah forward momentum whereas Taylor Ray I think I feel a bit calmer she's much the stats kind of say all for Sydney she's got that sort of position positional positional awareness spatial awareness where she just provides that like very fluid cover for Sydney and I think when she does her job it's done quietly to the point and also her long balls through are so nice as well. So I, I'm leaning towards Taylor Ray just because it's, it is that defensive midfield position. But Aisha Nori as a shoo-in for on the bench, I think. Surely our other two midfielders are like Hawks being Dorian. <laughs> like this I've, is easy. This bit's easy, right? Yeah. I was literally about to say one, I thought the defensive midfield would create more conflict, but we've pretty evenly landed on Taylor Ray and it follows through to who should join her in the midfield. And I looked at our short list and literally the first two names are Mackenzie Hawksby, Katrina Gorry. And it's like, sorry to everyone else in that box, but you're not getting a look in. You simply 
Um, Samantha's raising her finger. What? What? <laughs> what now? Possibly suggest who has been better than Hawksby and Gorry? Please. In terms of attacking midfielders, I think Emily Condon from Adelaide is in with a real shout. She. I has don't mind been... this, Sam. But Thank better you. than Gorry and Hawksby. Not better than Hawksby. No, 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 no. Uh, There are a few players. There are a few players in any position who have been better than Hawksby this season. Um, To the point where I'm like, I, I would have taken her to India for the Asian Cup. I think she's been that good. Um, No, Hawksby is absolutely the lock there. But in terms of if it's Gory or Condon, I lean towards Condon because I think Condon every single game has been pivotal for Adelaide. I think Gory has drifted in and out a little bit. She also sort of took her time to ease into the season, coming back to fitness, wasn't able to clock full games for a while. Um, Yeah, she's been great. She's been creative. But in terms of stats and in terms of actually changing games, I think Emily Condon just edges her. Um, I don't mind this either. I think it's a fair shout between Gorry and Condon. Can I just touch on the Hawksby stats for a moment, though? Like, She's second in the golden boot with five goals. And I know she's now leading the assists, especially um, with Holly McNamara off with the Matildas. It's extraordinary. I know a lot of her goals have been, there's been penalties and tappings, but you've got to get to the right place at the right time, especially as a midfielder, making those runs to be in the right place at the right time. And there's been some really composed finishes from Hawksby. And I also feel like she's learned from setbacks, like when she's missed you know, so had poor misses the next game. She, for example, came out and scored a hat-trick. She seems to just absorb those little setbacks or falters in her performances and comes back stronger the next week. And she's an only 21, another player who has stepped up. Um, Claire Wheeler, as we mentioned, sort of filled a very similar role last season. Hawksby has just kicked on. It's, fa- it's fantastic. It's a real credit to Sydney FC, the way both Ray and Hawksby have kicked on. I mean... I think Ante Juric said, as we've said in these pods a couple of times, like if you were picking players on form, surely Hawksby's the one you'd be looking at because she's just been sensational. Um, but yeah, easy pick. Angela, I'm, I'm curious, you, you're ready to bite down into this Gory versus Condon um, debate. I, I am. But I was going to say as well with Hawksby, her corners, I feel like that's worth highlighting. At the start of the season, they were not good and now they are good. So, and she was working on that. Like she's obviously got such a drive to improve and knows what she needs to work on. Um, with Gori, I will say, I feel like a shout out needs to go to Hecker. I've been really impressed with her moving more into that attacking midfield role this season. Um, and I feel like Nori and Hecker have made Gori look quite good have sort of papered over those earlier cracks potentially for Gori um, and I was going to say as well I think as a unit you've got obviously the Sydney midfield they're fantastic but Hawksby has been the constant in there that has really brought other players like Rachel Lowe and Sarah Hunter along with her um, and really elevated it whereas I think Adelaide 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 as a unit as a midfield unit I've been really impressed um, and in that sense, I think Condon maybe has been a quieter version of that Hawksby role in terms of bringing the consistency and bringing it all together. So I would, I, I'm leaning more towards Condon over Gori, but Gori still excellent, obviously. There's no debate there. I reckon Gori's a real chance to be in the full team of the season because it took her a couple of weeks to build a bit of, you know, but some of those through balls she has played and some of, Yes, I, I think the difference between the two is Gori, you notice everything good she does, whereas Condon, not necessarily. I think we see, we'll see that more and more now Dylan Holmes has come into that Adelaide midfield. She'll get a chance to flex her attacking side a bit more. She still scored a couple of goals. 
she's battled through knocks a couple of times as well. Um, and she has been just very reliable the whole time. Kind of, it's, it's it's a real toss up for me. Like it depends what what you want out of your attacking midfielder. But geez, Gorev does make things happen though. That's what that's what's been really special. And she was going to be in this Matilda squad had she um, had she not decided to stay home. Also going to say, Sam, were you on the debate team? Because that's twice now where we've been like, surely. And then you're like, um, actually, <laughs> have you considered? And we've changed our minds. So well done to you. Sam is leading the, the team of the season or half season competition. If there was, there was one. You just can't see my little palm cards that I've got uh, just beneath the camera here. <laughs> but I do, in terms of midfielders, like there are so many great midfielders and I do think there needs to be a couple of extra shout outs. Number one to Rihanna Policina at Melbourne City. I think she's been very good. Uh, Alex Chidiak, I know she came in a bit late, but she's been really crucial for Melbourne victory after the the, the uh, dropping the bundle moment. Um, and Grace Ma at Canberra. I think she's been one of the few shining lights of that side. She's been, I think, really important in terms of creativity, in terms of trying to get the team to go forward. And she's a a local sort of favourite as well. So she really embodies everything that I think Canberra should be about. Um, It's just a shame that things don't seem to be working for them. So yeah, so there's been a bunch of really standout midfielders, but I think Hawksby, Condon and Ray are probably the, the lock for the three. Karakuti Cross is still good. She hasn't been bad, but it's just the context, I think, has she hasn't been as good as we know she can be. I feel like it's worth adding. Couldn't go without a little Kyra shout out. I would absolutely say that the last five minutes of this chat doesn't happen if Alex Chidiak is starting from the beginning of the season allowed into Brisbane because she's been in the country long enough, doesn't get COVID, all of those things. I really don't think we're having a conversation if she has, if she was allowed to play fully as we have seen in the kind of few games that she has played. I will also say I was very aggressive at the beginning of this chat, so I want to apologise for that. I am misplacing some of my anger at Fife Pro into this conversation. so Never apologise, Marissa. I will because it was too aggressive. I do think it was a conversation worth having, but it did not need to be that angry. So final count, Gory or Condon, one word answer. Samantha, we know you're Condon. Anna? Gory, uh, but not, not by much. <laughs> Angela? Condon. Condon, it is. And right. I'm fine with it. <laughs> it was so limeball. <laughs> good to have some debate and then the the good news is we don't need to spend too much longer on this team of the season because the final place we need to talk about is the strike force the front line and we kind of said pre-game this is the easiest part so i watch Anna. sam argue now like and then she'll find something no. it's, it's 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 hannah wilkinson as the striker and the two wide players are courtney vine and holly mcnamara you just can't argue with that they're clearly the three standout forwards vine and mcnamara rewarded with maiden matilda's call-ups they'll go to the asian cup and hannah wilkinson has just been scoring for fun easy there are three bang goals assists taking on players that brilliant speed from McNamara, that incredible one-on-one ability from Courtney Vine, and that pure ruthless goal scoring. Yes, I'll pounce on a Melissa Barbieri hoofed clearance and just chip it over some poor goalkeeper's head from Hannah Wilkinson. Like front three done, easy, finito. 
Any objections there? Samantha! <laughs> <laughs> no, no objections, but just in terms of other players yeah. who I think deserve to, to be you credited. You had me in the first half, friend. You fucking <laughs> had me in the first he was, half. He was on the winder. I think it is worth both, Sam, as you say, touching on some players who... A couple of players who just fall outside the pecking order who maybe don't have the stats to back up their inclusion, but based on the vibes, uh, Fiona Wirtz at Adelaide United, really impressive, particularly in the first couple of games. She was really the the player that they looked to to try and generate absolutely anything when they were still trying to click, um, and she's continued to impress me. And Sam, if she'd been a better finisher, I think, early on, especially you look at that victory game, she would be probably a good shout to make this three her her poor finishing early really cost her I think in this regard yeah agreed um Catherine Zimmerman at Melbourne Victory as well I think she's been really important and she's going to perhaps be even more important in the second half of the season considering the players that Victory have lost especially Lynn Williams whose loan spell has ended um and another player who we haven't really seen too much of but who I think has also been really crucial particularly the last couple games has been Ash Sykes at Canberra she has clearly made a difference coming into this team and her goals have sort of ensured that Canberra are maybe not as far down the ladder as where they should be based on their performances. But again, Sykes hasn't played all that much. Uh, she's still not fit. Um, and the fact that she's sort of able to, to be a, a sort of a game-changing player for Canberra sort of speaks more to Canberra maybe than it does to Sykes. But regardless, I think she's a great player. Other one I would probably include off the bench would be Remy Seamson, um, who, I th- as we've talked about in previous pods, is really you feel not just playing with confidence after her Matilda's club is adding extra strings to her bow. In terms of not just being a striker, she's assisting, she's getting out wide, she's putting in really good balls, and they are very much they have been very much a collective that Sydney front three. But I think Seamson's been fantastic. A nominee for the what could have been were you here for more than four games, Lynn Williams. Um, unfortunately she was not and she will not be so (laughs) little cameo but not good enough to make the team of the season despite a couple of standout game-changing performances not making this team and Maria Hooker as you mentioned earlier um, when she's been going forward has been quite dangerous too I think another player who might sort of come into a bit more form and who we might be talking about as an end of season um, possible team of the season contender is Chelsea Dorber at Adelaide. I think now that she's started to realise how it feels to score goals, she's going to continue to chase that feeling and score more and more. Um, But another player who I have also really enjoyed and who I think um, should probably get uh, more credit than what she deserves is Gemma Crane at Perth. She was pretty much the reason they got those early points and why they're sitting on that point of the ladder at the moment. Um, considering the form of Lisa Devanna, who's sort of been switching on and off and is clearly not fit and breaking down a little bit, Gemma Crane is really the, one of the only attacking outlets that Perth have got. Um, and she works incredibly hard. She's very experienced. And if she continues to sort of show the kind of form that she's showed in the first half of the season, then Perth might be in contention to actually go a little bit further up the ladder. I think Susan Fonsenkamp would debate that Gemma Crane is the only attacking outlet would be my little singular jab. <laughs> to, to wrap this, Marissa, is it just the runners up essentially with the, the bench? Like we've got... Yeah. Um, I think, like, I mean, Gory is the clear next choice midfielder. Yeah. I would say Zimmerman or Zimmerman. I think Zimmerman has been one out. She was so good on the weekend. 
Yeah, I, do, I think the my thing would be that Seamson has been more consistent than Zimmerman and maybe that's more of a reflection on the wider team, but mm. I my my argument would be for Seamson as the kind of backup striker. But we, we've said our backup keeper, um, extra defender. Kate, I'm happy to go with Kate Taylor. Yeah. And a vibes-based selection. Yeah. Hang on, let me just double-check our... <laughs> Winona Heatley, also very good. But... Yes. Jesse Rusher. But mm. otherwise, I'll quickly run through our our team, our starting 11. So we would have Sarah Langman in goal, a back four of Green, Checker, Tobin and Rigby a midfield trio of Taylor Ray as the number six with Hawksby and Condon in front of her, and then a front three of Courtney Vine, Hannah Wilkinson and Holly McNamara. So expect to win, done, 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 honestly, with that team. But um, a couple of players then on the bench, we would have a Lily Alfeld, we would have a Katrina Gorey, we would have a, a Kate Taylor, and I'm saying it, Remy Seamson, this is me pulling the host card. This is an executive decision. Sorry to Catherine Zimmerman. Um, But, yeah, so that's team of the season. Please feel free to have a think. Let us know how we're wrong, how we're right. If you agree with any one of us specifically, make your own team, send it to us at the Far Post Pod on social media. It's always fun to have a little bit of a chat. Speaking of little chats, we do need to talk about the actual round that just happened. So, quick run through of some of the results we had Melbourne City beating Adelaide United 1-0 Sydney as we said absolutely dismantled Canberra 6-0 the Jets and Perth Glory ran out a 1-1 draw it got very exciting towards the end of that game and a couple of absolutely cracking goals but the two games that we will kind of focus on today are Brisbane Roar's 3-2 win over the Wellington Phoenix and Melbourne Victory's 1-0 win over Western Sydney so let's start with the Knicks they were so close. They were so close. They really looked like they were going to do it. They were going to do the thing. They were going to get that maiden win. And then Brisbane Raw just kind of poo-pooed the party, but obviously saved their own season with a very important win. So Sam, what was your quick take on this Brisbane Wellington game? Yeah, it was it was a game that sort of encapsulated um, what both teams have been about at the first half of this season. Uh, that is, Brisbane Raw have found ways to come back into games late and Wellington have capitulated and they haven't really been able to put together a full 90-minute performance where they've uh, been able to secure points. And it's a real shame because I think the last two games in particular, Wellington have been very, very good and the results don't reflect um, what you actually saw on the field. Again, they're a, they're a vibe-based team. I love the way that I feel when I watch them. You know, they're really exciting. They've got so many great, bright, talented young players. You just, like, all it's going to take is time. You know, it's like a good curry. You need to put all the ingredients in a pot and then you just got to wait. You know, you just got to leave it on the hob and just walk away for a couple of seasons, come back, and it's going to be absolutely ready to go. And so I think this is, again, we've spoken about it in the past when games like this have happened. Wellington are a couple seasons away from being really, really good. They just need a couple extra players to come in. And there was actually a kind of an interesting discussion on the timeline um, following this game about what, what kinds of players could improve Wellington and where they should improve. The first is obviously up front. And imagine bringing in someone like a Hannah Wilkinson to, to really give them that, that power uh, uh, in the, the attacking third. 
Um, they do, I think, need someone a little bit more experienced in central midfield as well. They tend to sort of collapse sometimes. Izzy Gomez, the Aussie, has been excellent as a defensive midfielder in that spot. But I do think they need someone who's perhaps a little bit more powerful in a creative sense. So having someone come back from overseas, say, or maybe even having someone like Astotti wanting to play for her hometown club, I think would be really great. And again, defence, that's another big space that needs to be filled. Having a stop coming into that defensive line to partner alongside a Claudia Bunch, say, like that would be absolutely extraordinary. So if you're just able to really solidify that spine with more experienced Kiwi players, I think this Wellington team could be pretty unstoppable. Um, But yeah, outside of that, same old, same old from Brisbane, took some time to sort of work their way into the game and then somehow found a winner towards the end. So I don't really know if we learned anything new about them. I think we could just see the contrast in maturity maybe between the two lineups. Like it felt like Wellington in the second half and we've, well, you might even boot it, Sam, the, the heat look, just looked awful in Wollongong. And I think Brisbane maybe handled that better, but also it felt like Wellington won with young players tired as the game went on, but it felt like it took them uh, almost going behind to sort of wake up again in the second half. They were so proactive in the first half. And I know this is a level of um, Brisbane managing to stifle them and sort of seize control of the game. And it really felt like in that second half, Brisbane just cranked up the heat, like turned the screws over and over and over um, until uh, we obviously saw the the equaliser and then before the penalty it just felt like Brisbane were going in waves of attacks like and when you look at the shot stats it's 24 to 4 in favour of Brisbane 10 on target to, to two Wellington's two shots on target were goals and the second Wellington goal was largely because of just diabolical set piece defending from Brisbane um, it just felt like Brisbane had the extra maturity to turn the to turn the screws and then the, the Pritchard penalty that, that Gorey went and converted um it, it just felt like a young player who sort of panicked a little bit and then was a bit clumsy like and it was a pretty fair penalty in the end like it's one that you pay most times and yeah it, it to me then it just felt like it almost sparked Wellington to action a little bit and then they then tried to you know really get some positive play happening again which has been the, one of the highlights of them but it felt like Brisbane just had a few more mature heads in there they were able to to settle the game and obviously they managed to to really ride it out. Um, nice moment for Katrina Gorey, who apparently, according to her Instagram, this is the first penalty she'd taken since she missed that one against Brazil at the Olympics, which is stunning to me. Like, I can't believe a coach hasn't nudged her to get up to the penalty spot and trying to raise that demon um, before now. But she said this is the first time on Instagram, she said this is the first time she'd felt comfortable taking one since she had that one saved <laughs> um, at, in 2016. Um, and yeah, she, she obviously buried it this time around, but yeah, as you say, Sam, I don't think we learned a whole lot about Brisbane. Um, Gory put this wonderful through ball through in the lead up to the Larissa Crummer goal. Um, the other thing was, um, we were talking about Lily Alfold earlier and she was fantastic. Um, obviously saved a penalty, saved a follow-up, saved the absolutely cracking strike that Gory tried on as well. Like she really was everywhere. So it was really quite desperate, but you just had to feel for Wellington. I think this was the one that just loomed as a great opportunity. They went 2-0 up and, yeah, just weren't able to to see it out. So, unfortunately for poor, the poor old Knicks, you have to chalk it up as another learning opportunity. Um, but as you say, Sam, I don't think we learned too much about Brisbane. That said, Kate Taylor was fantastic for Wellington. She 
um, has really stood out. They were without Mackenzie Barry, who bar her error last week, has been quite solid for them in this young defence, has been quite impressive at times. Um, but, yeah, as you say, it's just, um, yeah, another, another learning experience for the poor old Knicks. Yeah, it was very much, it was an important win for Brisbane, even though it did kind of break Wellington hearts. But I think, and I don't think this is controversial to say, it was a really good indicator in the sense that Wellington could still very well win a game this season. That's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. I tried to have a a quick look while you guys were talking for when they play Canberra, because that's looming as a, a very good Uh, chance for them to potentially win a game but let's talk a little bit about the victory Western Sydney game we discussed it earlier it was the Maya Markovsky penalty which put the victory 1-0 up and got them a very important a very much needed win Angela what was your take on this Wanderers Vuck game bit of a release I think Um, I think victory did really well given the circumstances that there were a couple of different things that meant that they were sort of on the back foot obviously there's the context for their season so they were coming into this two losses which obviously will sit heavy and you'll want to prove a point but they also were low on personnel so Withers and Melina Ayres is still out with an injury and Withers was a late out with a an injury as well I'm not too sure about the status on that um, so they had Francesca Amano come in and I think that she really made an impression in that midfield. So she's a, a very recent and young sign-in um, for victory. They also had Maya Markovsky play her first full 90 minutes and make her full starts, first start, sorry. Um, and we know that she can score. So she was the, the only one to get something back in that derby a couple of weeks ago. And obviously we discussed earlier that that penalty and how much that meant and how important that was that she got that as um, too. But yeah, it was it was still quite a, a cagey performance, but definitely saw a lot more from Victory. And I think I was quite impressed on the whole in terms of how young. Oh, another thing as well, I forgot to mention Chidiak coming back after having COVID. Like, she, how? How she, I think she played a wonderful game and really saw what she can bring and like one of her most consistent performances. I think um, really looking forward to her being like, I, in terms of like obviously going to miss Kara Cooney Cross, but seeing Chidiak sort of have that midfield build built around her, I think that's going to be a really exciting thing for victory. Um, yeah, I think they did really well given the circumstances. Obviously, it was that very close moment with the near own goal, but the Jackson Bunge pairing was the best that we've seen so far um, from the two of them. Leah Privatelli left back, thumbs up. So yeah, on the whole, I think that they won. They needed the win and they did well to get the win. Western Sydney, I'm gesturing vaguely. Like they can, I'm, it was a, it was a, they contended well. I think they'll be shitty that they didn't get anything from that. Um, But yeah, Harrow, you, I think you were foiled on the game. I wasn't, but I was watching. Um, Ah, There we go. Filing. Falling in, in my brain. <laughs> you never switch off. I thought Franny Amano on her debut was fantastic. Um, I quite like the approach the victory have taken there. I think we we're all a bit surprised when they signed a forward, um, given the, the whole defence thing. But Leah Privatelli, as you say, Angela, is rock-solid option at left-back. And I think if you go, well, if we can't get a better option than Privatelli at left-back, why don't we try and keep Leah, who's the skipper there, and 
add something different. And I thought that's exactly what Franny did up forward. She was um, daring. She was taking on players one-on-one. She'd been fanging for this opportunity, I think, for a very long time um, with her performances at sort of NPLW level pretty highly rated in Victorian circles for a while. And she really showed what she could do. And that, that wondrous defense has been super. Um, Claire Hunt was excellent. There was a great moment where she gave away a free kick that was a bit dubious and had a proper little tantrum and kicked the ball, like smashed the ball down and kicked it away and got it got a deserved yellow. But it was a great little um, insight maybe into just how competitive she is. And she was very highly rated for a long time. It's finally starting to put some football together after those off that that awful injury run, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Chidiac was the main story out of this game. Coming off COVID, which is pretty brutal in terms of um, your aerobic endurance in particular. And she sort of said post-match when she was interviewed how difficult it had been sort of getting back in. And she was like, after about 20 minutes, sort of felt maybe, oh, I need to come off. But she pushed through and was clearly the standout player, could have had a goal. I think it just just clipped off the woodwork and it was, um, yeah, it was brutal. Like she's, she's still looking for that goal um, in victory colours, but she just looks so good when she's in the thick of things. I know she sees herself as a 10, but um, she plays really well when she goes a bit deeper and uses her passing range and is so good on the ball and in tight spaces and loves to take players on. I thought she was she was really, really good. And as we've said before, probably her best performance for victory so far. But, yeah, it, it was a deserved result for victory, I thought. They were clearly the better team. The Wanderers' defence sort of held them at bay for ages, and it was pretty unfortunate that poor old Rose, Rosie Galea, as I said earlier, has thrown the arm up and almost got away with it. But for a, a sort of eagle-eyed assistant referee, and I think – when you saw Galea's reaction after she sort of got away with it, she knew she'd gotten away with it. And then the reaction post um, the decision sort of being almost reversed or a delayed decision being reached, she knew what it was. And we obviously talked about the Markovsky penalty, which was, which was fantastic. And as you say, Angela, it was a real pressure relief. And it was a really crucial win because the Wanderers, had they got three points, could have gone up into third off the top of my head. And victory really needed three points to stay in the, the mix of those contenders. And, clearly between injuries and I'm not sure if COVID's had a role and the absences at the Asian Cup victory weren't able to fill their bench as well. So they didn't have a whole lot of options in terms of players coming on to to change the game per se. So I think especially after the way they've, to quote ourselves, dropped the bundle in some recent games, it was a really, really important win for them and one that can maybe stabilise things a little bit. The Wanderers certainly didn't, didn't shame themselves. Though. They were, you know, they defended so astutely, as as we've said, for so long. Um, but I think a fair result probably in the end. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel bad for the Wanderers in some ways because you're right, Harry, they did defend really well. I thought Claire Hunt was outstanding. It was probably the best game that I've seen her play this season uh, alongside Caitlin Cooper, who... You know, it has her has her faults. She is as slow as a wet week in jail, but she is incredibly experienced and is able to really um, command the players around her, I think. And her reading of space, I think, is also very good. And she's just very uncompromising one-on-one, which I really like about Cooper. Um, but, yeah, they've just, like, it's just been another, another example of why the Wanderers need a more experienced centre forward. You know, like they just can't score goals. Briley Henry is still so young. She's This is her first full season at this level. And she's still trying to get up to speed pretty much. She's still trying to read the play. She's still trying to connect with her teammates. And 
that's starting to affect them now. You know, like you can defend well and you can keep teams to one nils, but eventually you've got to start asking where the goals are going to come from. You know, I think Erica Halloway being moved back over the last couple of games has been to their detriment. I think she's a much better player when she's allowed to move forward and create. And we saw that when she's busting down that right wing, delivering crosses in, even if they aren't accurate, even if no one gets onto the end of them, she's still doing it. She's still giving them an outlet. She's still giving them an opportunity, which I think is, is important. And another player who's, I think, really underrated for Western Sydney is Olivia Price in midfield. I think she's just a really delicate, really classy midfielder. Um, she's very um, wise when it comes to her decision-making, I think. And alongside someone like Libby Copas-Brown, who technically is very good as well, that, that midfield pairing, I think, is, is, uh, is one that Catherine Canulli might want to seriously look to build around because they're both very good at very different things, but they complement one another very well. So it's just a matter of, again, finding that spearhead. Like you've got sort of the foundations in place in the defensive and midfield lines. You just need to find that two or three extra players who can really kick things off for them. There's three moments I would like to highlight from this game. One, the very funny moment when Libby Copas-Brown blatantly pushed Alex Chidiak in the back, came away with the ball and got away with it. (laughs) Very funny. Um, A big moment where maybe the victory defence wouldn't be too wrapped with it, but Catherine Zimmerman's absolutely incredible gut-busting run to get back and get her toe in the way to stop Briley Henry scoring a sitter. And Henry just did not know clearly that Zimmerman was coming. I mean, why would you why would you think that the striker was going to be the one to do that? It reminded me very much of Chloe Legazzo, who did a fantastic job on um, the panel at halftime and full-time of this game. Um, obviously, the injured Matilda. It reminded me a lot of that, that sort of gut-busting run to get back. And the other moment I really enjoyed was post-match um, Wanderers skipper Kaylin Cooper, you just mentioned, Sam. She got asked a few things and she got asked about the penalty. And I loved her honesty. She basically said, yeah, I thought it was a handball. And I love that because you so often see players go, oh, I didn't see it or, oh, no, I don't think it was there. And despite the, it just showed that she is just such a top pro, just didn't, wasn't going to buy into it. Just went, no, fair penalty. We copped it. And they they sort of copped it on the chin. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Three three little moments that really stood out to me from that game for various reasons. It had the range, didn't it? Um, But let's look forward quickly to the round eight fixtures. The leagues have finally confirmed what is going down because we had some question marks over what was happening in round eight when the fixture was first released. So we begin with Adelaide United hosting Wellington Phoenix. Sydney FC have a very big week coming off. They start with hosting Melbourne City on Saturday. Brisbane and the Jets will face off on Sunday and then Perth Glory will play Western Sydney at Central Coast Stadium on Sunday. I know because they're here, weird things like this have to happen, but it's still like interesting. And then finally, we've got Melbourne Victory hosting Sydney FC and we will obviously talk all about it once the round is one and done. A quick boot from me, I am going to keep it brief. If you saw on Twitter, I basically cracked a tantrum over the FIFA Pro World 11. I am happy to admit that I did crack a tantrum. If you haven't seen it, it was just a bizarre cobble of women who definitely play football, but I don't think many of them should be considered the best 
players in their respective positions for the season just passed. There was no Alexia Puteas, who won the FIFA Best Award. There was no Sam Kerr, who came second in the FIFA Best Award. And there was no Jenny Hermoso, who came third in the FIFA Best Award. So it was bizarre. There's been lots of other conversations then about the accessibility of the women's game and the kind of barriers and things like that. And I think those are all valid points, but respectfully, I don't care. Do better, FIFA Pro. I'm not happy. Big boot. Let's move on to some how goods, though, because we need to bring back some positivity after my tiny tantrum. So, Angela, please kick us off with a, a how good. Yeah, um, it's a it's a pretty obvious one. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners have since seen it, but a how good to Courtney Vine and Holly McNamara heading over to India. Um, their confirmation in the final squad came about yesterday, I believe. And um, it was a, a, a wee bit surprising, I suppose, in terms of we were talking on um, our squad breakdown pod about Tony potentially taking like a defender and an attacker, but he's gone, nah. Two attackers, off we go. And both of them, um, I'm sure, are all in agreement here, are very, very deserving of their first seniors call-up. And not only that, their first call-up into a major tournament, which is so exciting. So um, a massive how good there. And there's a video on, I believe, the, the toots, but also Insta of Courtney Vine's reaction. So he's obviously just, like, completely over the moon. Real cute that she, like, told her her partner, before she told her family that she was in the squad as well. Um, but, yeah, just just a how good to that. And, um, yeah, can't wait to see what they what they do once they're over in India, which is this week. <laughs> what is time? Literally Friday, 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Australia take on Indonesia. We'll obviously be talking about that as well, but a very big how good to those two players. Sam, a how good? Yeah, sticking with my beloved Sydney FC, there was some wonderful news earlier this week with the birth of Teresa Polias' first baby. She took a break from the season after being captain, after winning the premiership in order to start a family with her partner, Foti, and they have given birth to a little girl named Athena who is, that's just the most perfect Greek family name possible. And the Sydney FC put up a lovely tweet of Athena's little baby hands clutching a little Sydney FC logo, which is just, oh, ticks so many of the boxes I never knew I needed. Anyway, Teresa Polias having her baby. Everyone looks happy. Everyone looks healthy. How good. Baby enough. Now I want a baby Sydney FC jersey. This is going to be my thing. Oh, goodness gracious me. But it is a big congrats to friend of the pod, Teresa Polias and her partner, Harrow. How good? We love a we love a sellout here um, on the far post. And the El Clasico uh, Champions League quarterfinal, um, obviously you're in Europe, between Barcelona and Real Madrid has sold out just three days after tickets went on sale. So there's already been 85,000 tickets sold for the game which is on March 30 at the Camp Nou which is obviously Barcelona men play there um incredible it's going to break the world record for attendance at a women's club game the previous mark was when um Barca beat um Barca beat Atletico Madrid in March 2019 and there were 60,739 so it's going to be a huge bump in crowds um 
should be an incredible atmosphere, should be an incredible um, game. Well, maybe not. Barcelona might just thump them. But who knows? Um, either way, what you hope to come of it is it exposes even more people to the women's game and that brilliant Barcelona team. And we see uh, their league benefit and women's football continue to benefit. Um, for me, they're all positives. So a big old sellout in women's football in Europe. How good? The good kind of sellout. We absolutely love to see it. But, yeah, that's us done for another week. Thanks so much for tuning in. As we mentioned, we've got lots of A-League women's coming up. We have Asian Cup literally coming up. So we will be here to take you through all of it, through your ear holes. But until next time, I don't know if Angela's crying at my use of the word ear holes or or just the amount of football that we're going to have to get through in the next few weeks. Football fatigue. It's it's not I like the use of the word ear holes. Don't oh, worry. Marissa, can you add in a second how good from me? Yeah. Sam Kerr came second in FIFA's the best women's player award, only behind Alexia Porteus. And in a really interesting thing, a friend of the pod, Ben McKay, has just um posted that uh Sam Kerr actually voted for Porteus, Caroline Graham Hansen, and Jenny Hermoso, which is going to be a real conflict for some Barcelona fans who don't like Sam Kerr. Um, and our very own Sam also voted. Sam, you voted for Sam Kerr, good loyalty, Alexia Pateas, and Viviana Miedema. And Tony Gustafson voted Sam Kerr, Alexia Pateas, Viviana Miedema. So Sam Kerr coming second, very, very deservingly and accurate and not like the FIFA Pro 11. How good? I think no one has any issues with her being second to Pateas because she was clearly the best player in the world for the previous season. But that's enough from us. As I said, we've got lots of A-League women action coming up. We've got lots of Asian Cup action coming up. We will talk to you all about it either on Spotify, Apple or Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. It might be on ESPN.com.au or the ESPN app as well. Please feel free to subscribe or leave a review wherever you do listen. As I said, if you have a go at a team of the season or a half-year team of the season, let us know at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see us.